now dumb for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 70. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk about everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone. Great to be back. Uh, it's Monday night. In person. In person, yes. It's been a few phone calls of read, yep. thanks to your lovely back issues. Yes, but I'm over to, that now. I'm good back. to see you part healthy. Thank you. Yeah, uh, healthy. And for people who don't know, we've just spent the last 15 minutes chasing a mouse around the house. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm, we're both really embarrassed with ourselves because a very small mouse that... <laughs> <laughs> that we really should be much smarter than uh, and outsmarted and, us and out, seriously outsmarted us mouse hunt. for about yes. an hour it was <laughs> if we had a filmed it this is the music that would have been on it it would have been like but eventually we triumphed human humankind triumphed over mouse kind in that he was he was very carefully for all of the RSPCA people out there he was very carefully captured and released back into the mouse wild to go and play with his other mouse friends. Followed by eaten by snake. Followed um, by eaten by snake and or some form of feral cat. But that's beside the point. So look, we have a, a huge show. This is probably one of our biggest shows. Big show, big guest. A big guest in Grant Thomas tonight. Look. Jeez, you didn't even tease that. No. Well, we got to go straight into it. Grant Thomas is not a teasing kind of guy. Grant Thomas no. straight is straight to the backwards point. in coming forwards. Calls a spade a dirty, great big shovel, and we've got him tonight on the podcast. Yeah, look, and the reason we've got him on, there's been so much talk about AFL, uh, HQ, just about how they're governing the game. Uh, we've all seen the, the, the videos and pictures from the couple of Etihad games this week. Yeah. And and look, they can plead innocent all they want, but the AFL owns Etihad. Uh, sorry, Marvel. Yeah. Um, so, look... No matter whether they like it or not, it's an AFL headquarters. And at the moment, they're not really fully trusting people at the moment or the, or the public. And no, this is I, I, this smacks to me, and I, I, I can't wait to get um, the brilliantly named Grant Thomas' um, his opinion on this one. This smacks to me like the world's most enormous overreaction. Like, I, I appreciate there's been a few dudes punching on at the footy and stuff, right? Like every Anzac Day game I've been to. But dudes have odd, the odd... <laughs> idiots half a dozen two three seven however many idiots have punched on at the football for 157 years or whatever we've been how many going times for. have you left a game and seen two guys having a rough and punch on right? and you don't accept it and you don't no, like and it's it it's not okay but... but grab those seven dudes by the scruff of the neck and forcibly open the doors with their heads and yeah. boot them out don't don't There's... walk around with dudes that look like the stasi telling me what I should be and shouldn't be saying like, but it's it's the reports of people cheering like and too going, too much. You too you're cheering too loud. Like I, I, yeah, no, nah, I don't get. Hell it. is like, that? If you're going to use racial slurs or um uh, or sexual slurs or anything along those lines, then you should be picked up by the scruff of the neck and a hold out of the building, right? But they're gone way too far. Yeah, and that's the thing about the football man is that it is a release. It's a release, but the thing is, it's really, really hard to prove that I said what I said. If one person gets up out of their seat because I called somebody a bald-headed flog, mm -hmm. right? And the rumour is that he said much more than that. But all we can go with is bald-headed flog. Now, if I call someone a bald-headed flog and the dude sitting down, two, two chairs down from me, finds that offensive, gets up, goes to grab the blue-coated bloody Stasi members that look like it, they come back and said, this bloke called this guy every F-bomb under the sun and I am and I want him taken out and I'm offended. Does that just mean I'm out? On the strength of this dude 
getting up Sounds and like talking. It, yeah. to, and that's the thing, right? The, prove it. Prove I said what you said. But unfortunately, in this nanny state world that we're, we're now living, the one person stands up and says, I'm offended, and everybody has to pay for it. Yeah. Racial slurs, racial vilification, sexual slurs, anything to do with that, absolutely and completely yeah. abhorrent, and we would not put it And look, with it. and the crowd usually calls that out. So That's like, the point. I've, yeah. been to, I've, gone, I've been to games where a racial thing has been called out, and 10 guys straight away went, hey, mate. Just check yourself. Pull your friggin' head in, yeah. yeah. And he's he's yeah. almost likely to cop one in the mouth because he does that racial crap, right? We all, yeah. We've we've learned from that. We've had that Michael Long, you know, the, yeah. the famous Collingwood game, Monkhurst, yeah. all that. Uh, and look, I know it still it can happen. We all know it's. Mate, you're never going to stop. You're never going to stop every aspect of society. Idiot. Yeah, the odd not, idiot. Not hundred. Not not eighty to hundred thousand people at a game. No, it's yeah. just ridiculous. But. Um, just common sense. Just absolutely. let people cheer. Let people have fun. Let people have feel comfortable in the environment of footy but and you, not and not overlooked. But also, too, you shouldn't. This is this whole thing about uh, I shouldn't have to be. I shouldn't have to feel offended at the football, and I shouldn't have to do this sort of stuff. I I, I disagree, man. Like you, you can't stop everybody from saying something stupid. Yeah. What you can do is. You go and if somebody feels offended and they go and grab somebody, it doesn't mean that that person just gets immediately chucked out because that person said so. Yeah. There's got to be some evidence. You can't just a bald headed flog is not enough. No, like, that's that's not enough. It, it's not enough to get person kicked out. But even like the umpire just would like if the umpire know, takes a fence, that I don't know if it's enough even to just be spoken to. to I know like, it's just because it's, it's it happens everywhere. I mean, we sit we sit in the outer because we love. We love sitting in the bottom of the third tier, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. like to study the game. So yeah. we like the overhead view and it's in the outer. You get every table type uh, around us and you just... I don't, know, I don't know if we're being precious, but we just go, well, that's footy. I, My, I, I know what I'm hearing. This is the thing we've been... On. We, we get the... Remember we used to have 10 years of Stanton flog, you flog. Yeah, I know. Like, this is the thing, And right? you disagree with him. And you go, but you, but he, you go, well, that's his, that's his two hours of footy. That's that, the thing. People are way too precious. If someone was standing up just racially vilifying a dude left and right, then you call it out. And you know in society what's acceptable. I mean, I, I swear... In some Essendon games, I've I have dropped several f bombs. Yeah, like just through sheer frustration, and you're dropping f bombs left and right. But people that aren't precious. <laughs> game two, I remember. <laughs> A few kicks to the forward line. <laughs> yes, right. But people around you just know, and like you said, you, you drop one or two out of frustration, and you and look, yourself. and you even know your environment. If someone looks behind and and. And like sometimes you look to your right and you realize, oh, there's a small kid there. And, That's it. Uh, and you go, oh, okay, all right, I'll check, I'll check it in. I'll check yeah, it in. Yeah. No, I, uh, but it's a worrying thing. I'm really just know your environment. I'm really interested to to talk to Grant on that subject because he's. I think he's a he's a he's a pretty opinionated dude, and um, I think we're going to be letting him do a lot of talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're going to do the very small questions and go go for it. Yeah, go for it, Grant. So but, look, the yeah, game. Yeah, the game. So look, obviously a, a great win. Uh, what we'll do is we'll go to a very, very quick break uh, and come back and discuss the game. And then after that, we're going to have um, Grant Thomas on. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, Hawthorne v Essendon. I dislike that side in a big way. I do love the fact that we won. 
Uh, yeah, well, I can't stand Hawthorne. And, and like, every time we play them, it's just... There's a reason why I can't stand them. Then you see the Stratton thing and just uh, the mate, pinching and the stomping. That's one and of the, the weakest efforts I've ever seen. Of, that I've seen in the last 20-odd years from an AFL footballer. I can understand if he was giving him a bit of a niggle, a bit of a rub on the ribs or something like that. But he pinched the dude. Like, it's like, what? He's the captain of your club and he's pinching a bloke. And then he Half deliberately stomps yeah. on a dude's foot. What? I seriously hope the AFL throws the bloody book at him. Now, that's something that I will get behind from the AFL. Well, it's just cowardly. It's just, but it's just, as a captain, it's like, oh. Man. I mean, I'm, I must admit, I spoke to two Hawthorne guys at work today, and they were absolutely disgusted. Like, they, 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 they wanted him, like, one wanted him dropped for a month, and, and one just, uh, just said he was just, just absolutely disgusted and said that's that's not how what he wants from his captain he doesn't really want him as captain so it was interesting uh look the positive is we won uh mm. if if i'm we talking, needed it yeah look the game is a spectacle uh it wasn't it was kind of good in the second half like i, I thought the team gelled a bit better i yeah. thought uh i'm always use this word sorry but i thought our structure was really good in the second half i thought our forwards were playing deep in the second half First half, not so much. We were having same old issues. I thought. Yeah, see that, that's, um, and that's what worries me. I, I just. But I, I, I did think. I must admit, I did think a lot was corrected in the second half, and then stun, suddenly, uh, we were kicking two leading forwards. We had one where we almost kicked to three leading forwards in a row in the third quarter. Jeez, it'd be and nice I, not to yeah. have to correct something mid-game. And uh, and we just looked a better side. Like we just took over the game. Yeah, oh, and, we, we, yeah. we played like the team we should against Hawthorne. Yeah. That, that Hawthorne are down at the minute. We should have beaten them by that. Yeah, much. And look, it's not a game you can overly brag about, but it was no. it was such an important game being ninth and ninth and versus tenth. Yeah, uh, and we were five and six, and if you go five and seven, then go to Perth. You're in deep doo doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we had to get it to six six, and yeah. so look, uh, I thought our energy level was really good. I thought the that I'll agree with. Yeah, I thought the body language was really good. I thought mm. the camaraderie was really good. Uh, so uh, for me. McKenna probably was the real oh, shining light. Wow, Connor. And he great had, game. look, he, in all honesty, he had a couple of poor games. So he's really come out breathing fire, just took the game on with passion and made was zero all mistakes. Yeah, was I, all over I, I don't the remember shop. any mistakes. No. He was just a rebounding machine yep. and just got us him going. And Sadi as well. One thing I love about him, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, is that he tries to force the team to start running the ball like, yeah. uh, and start breaking the lines. And and, and sometimes he's going <coughs> to make me. mistakes but and we, we get often frustrated. But all in all, I still think he's obeying the coach's instructions and trying to get the team going. Mm. And I'd rather that than just complacently and just poor body language. And I'll tell you what, in a game like that, Connor's... Connor's great off that half back line, but yep. would be a complete waste of time if he wasn't hitting targets out of that back line. Exactly. Like Sardi, yep. when he first came to the club, was running so fast and with his head down so much <laughs> yep. that he looked up and he oh, and he would have to kick it to somewhere weird and he wouldn't hit a lot of targets. But now him and Connor are both running for those 10 metres that they're by far the quickest on the side, hmm. on the ground even. They're running for those 15, 20 metres or whatever it is, looking up and then finding a target. Yep. That's the real key thing for us. So, mate... Connor, brilliant game. Um, again, the defence as a whole did exactly what they've been doing for the last... This season, basically. 
Um, they've kept another side to what did they score? Sixty some odd points. Seventy-seven, actually. Seventy-seven. But really, the last five minutes they scored a very cheap three or four goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a bummer. But but looking at the looking at the possessions, Zachy Merritt again, um, top of the list, twenty-eight possessions. Great third quarter. Great. He took, he took over the game. Dyson Heppel, I mean, what more can you say about the bloke? He's at the pointy end of this um, of this club's possessions every single week. Now the next one is is just amazing. Michael Hurley at twenty six possessions, eighty percent efficiency, mate. From a defender, that's incredible. Yeah, like the ball, they had way more inside fifties in that first quarter than us, and that was what concerned me a little bit. But um, Michael Hurley and the guy that's currently sitting at six or equal sixth on the possession list, Adam Kale Hooker, just again, dominated down back. It, like, those two, and uh, the likes of Andy McGrath, who's sitting at six with um, Hooksy um, at 22 possessions, just absolutely dominated and gave us great run off the back line. Um, the kid that's currently sitting at number five in the possession count with a lazy 23, yep. and did the job again. I'm sorry, Dylan, you're a tagger, <laughs> mate. You're a tagger. Well, you... it's funny because he got released. Uh, so the first half he tags really closely, right? Yeah. Odo Mira. And it was interesting. They actually released him from the tag. And just uh, and their justification was um, that, they, that they thought that he was probably stopping to have the perfect mix of midfielders. Like they wanted an attacking midfielder in that third quarter of, yeah. of Shield, Heppel, Merritt. Because if Clark's there, you obviously got a negator, then two mm. offensive kind of midfielders. Yeah. Um, it's which is which is what I like. Like you can use Clark in different ways, and Clark started to get the ball himself. Like he's and his possession rate started to get up as well. That's a really impressive thing for a kid that, yeah. that's young, playing that many games, being able to change his role mid-game. Yeah. Like to, to be able to... Like, he'd be going into that game wanting to wear O'Meara like a glove, right? Yeah. But if the coach comes to him halfway through the second quarter or whatever and says, okay, great job early. Now we want you to be offensive. For him to be able to switch a, a gear in his head and, and start to grab possessions and stuff, that's a huge weapon. Well, I mean, to half time, O'Meara has nine possessions, no tackles, no goals. And you watch him again. Yeah. I watch the replay again. Dylan is wearing that kid like a glove. Seriously, <laughs> he tackles him brutally if he like, does. And I tell yeah. you what, every time he gets the ball, he's he's smart in that. You, you see O'Meara going for the ball because that's all he knows how to do, and that's great. But Dylan is just waiting, waiting, waiting. As soon as he touches it, yeah. he just he wraps up the yeah. forearms, not the not the upper body. He wraps up the forearms and just drills him into the deck. He seems like he has very strong hips. Yeah, I noticed his center of gravity. Even when he's getting tackled, he's not he's not going to the ground very easy at all. Like not like not I'm not saying Don't, like a Crips like, yeah. but 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 it's not far from it. Like he's actually quite strong over the ball, mm. and he can get a handball out, use his arms to swing around tackles to get rid of the uh, to get the handball release. Look, there's plenty of upside, and I, uh, and, and like we said last week, you're going to have that one kicker game where did you see the kick? and, and you yeah. saw it. Yeah, we did see it. But gee, the good far outweighs the bad because oh. our side is. I think our midfield seems to be running a little bit more like a, a better engine, and, and like Darcy Langford are now doing really good complementary roles. Like they both had 21. I mean, Langford's kicked a goal. Darcy's kicked... No, no, Langford's kicked two goals. Darcy's Darcy's kicked a goal. They're the kind of loose midfielders that rotate through the forward line. That's kind of their role. 
and they're kicking goals and they're getting their 20 possessions 21 perfect i guess the the um the best elements of um devon smith that we lost this year was not so much that he racked up 28 or 30 possessions or whatever it is yeah but the best elements of him was his defense yeah now dylan's doing exactly that dylan's all over the shop tackling i mean he's tackling one guy because that's what we've asked him to do but his ability to be defensive in the in the yeah the stoppages and that sort of stuff means that we haven't lost much when with Devon going down yeah um, we've got that incredible defensive guy who can and I reckon it's a massive um, I reckon it's a massive trait for the kid that if he can flick a switch and get 20s I mean if, if he was getting 8 possessions and keeping no mirror to 23 possessions you'd go yeah okay great but the kid's pulling 23 possessions a game that's yep. that's not too bad at all thank you no exactly and look uh, look, it's not long till we actually get to Grant Thomas. I just noticed the time. We've got to give him a call soon. Ooh, yeah, we've got to get to Grant Thomas. So, look, I just want to mention quickly uh, the back line, and, and we'll come back to it after Grant Thomas. We'll just have a wrap-up and talk about next week's game against the Eagles. But our back line, number one in the AFL ranked at, at the moment, Michael Hurley, he will be All-Australian. I have no oh, doubt. has in, to be. No doubt in my mind. Paddy Ambrose better yeah. be up there talking about it too. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, that back six is pretty special at the moment. They are, and it's the reason why you said to yeah. me that Francis isn't getting a game because no. why would you mess with that? Well, Hawthorne's only had seven marks inside fifty the whole game. Yeah, that's nuts. And so you can think like just one little chip mark, forty-five out, can be a mark inside fifty. So yeah. they've really shut down. Uh, Hawthorne. Hawthorne's had five more inside 50s than us, by the way. So they've had plenty of chances, and our defense is just so on song. Uh, I can't be more happier. Mark Harvey and Ben Rutten deserve a lot of praise Mate, uh, because probably Ben Rutten's really structured the side well defensively. Well, the kids come, or the kid, Benny Rutten's come He's, in, Truck Rutten's come in, and, and with, a, with a big reputation. And we don't know 100% of the things that he's done as a coach in there, but yeah. the results. Since yeah. Ben Rutten has arrived at this club, the results are the best in the AFL. End of story. Yeah, I mean, to for what since round four, teams are averaging sixty six points. Like That's, we've never had that for no, long. not ever. Right? Like we're, we're always a fairly solid defensive team, but. That's that's going above and beyond, and and, and I guess with, with yeah. the amount of mid inside fifties that we've got, it's probably a smidge too high. But there'll be a few midfielders that uh, that owe Michael Hurley, Hooker, Ambrose, and those boys <laughs> yes. a Christmas card or two because. Yeah, yeah. They are mopping up a, a few mistakes that, yeah. that it, with a, that many inside fifties. Um, but once our midfield gets on top, then we, we look like a world beater, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that third quarter when Shield and Merritt started to, to just dominate. dominate the clearances. Yeah, it, it was a the side just went from twelve and, points to thirty eight or thirty six points in, yeah. in ten minutes. And, I wonder if Hurls and Hooker when they when they notice that that's happened when yeah. they can see on the ground that Zach's taking over or that Shield's taking over. I wonder if they sit there and they go. <sighs> okay, so now we won't have to. <laughs> I, know that. I won't have to get yeah. every single ball down here in the next five minutes, so I can relax a little bit. But look, I mean, what, what we'll do, like I said, we'll go to Grant Thomas. Um, there's a whole heap of players we want to have a chat a bit more about. Um, few that probably didn't get the job done, um, but uh, overall a really great, really great game. Yeah, pretty so good team effort actually. We will um, we'll go away for a break and then we'll go straight back to into uh, Grant Thomas. It should be interesting.
And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Uh, one of the uh, the big talking points uh, in the last two weeks has been AFL governance, uh, people concerned about AFL HQ. I guess as Essendon supporters, we've got our own uh, historical uh, grievances <laughs> with, against with the, the AFL. AFL. Yep. Uh, and look, we wanted to invite a guest and, and someone that's... Um, that we really appreciate their voice on Twitter and, and what they have to say. It's Grant Thomas. Welcome, Grant. Pleasure, guys. How are we? Very, very good. Look, let's let's talk about what's been happening in the last week. Uh, we've seen sort of two or three now games where there's sort of over, we'll talk, we'll say overcrowd policing. Um, and, and from what I, we're getting here at the podcast, people feeling a little bit uncomfortable at the game think, thinking they're a little bit over-policed and, and almost afraid to cheer loudly in, in some cases. Yeah, where are you seeing things from your end and, and, and what's what's your take on this? Well, my take on it is quite simply, um, uh, where did it all come from? Uh, we have seen a spate of uh, pro- quite vicious brawls and incidents that probably been highlighted by social media which have been happening for a hundred years at the footy yeah. and um, they're never ever going to go away completely unfortunately when you get tens and thousands of people together and um, you know you have such a tribal passionate group of supporters I mean it, it's just an unfortunate outcome and we'd like to reduce that to zero obviously but yeah there, there, there's no doubt that on the back of that um, uh, someone has seen fit, although no one wants to put their hand up for it. And my concern is that the AFL don't want to recognise that there's an issue because of brand uh, damage, um, but they want to put a solution in there and then deny that it's got anything to do with them. So I find it interesting that they haven't, you know, it's been crickets, they haven't made any comment, they're not prepared to make any comment, and, and all of a sudden we've got these people walking up and down aisles and checking on people and pointing fingers and calling people out and all the rest of it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily what it's meant to be. I applaud the AFL and encourage them to make it as safe an environment as possible. I've got eight kids from 18 to 34. Uh, I always have a little bit of worry every time they go to the footy, just as a normal parent would, because you just never know what's going to happen. And Yep. And it shouldn't be like that. So I applaud the AFL to provide a more safer environment, but I just think they should have the the gonads just to come out and say, "Hey, listen, we're just not entirely satisfied with the level of um, 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 you know uh, comfort and behaviour with our fans, and we want to try and make sure we minimise any." Uh, you know, brutal assaults or fights or or swearing or anything that's... Uh, we just want to minimise it. Now, no-one's going to be upset about that. Everyone would applaud them and say, great. I think the problem is you don't have people in security outfits walking around like the Gestapo. I mean... Yeah, that's what it looks uh, like to the, me. The easiest solution would be you know, have a bit of fun with it, you know, put... put, put Put people in AFL-branded uh, tracksuits. Put or... them in Marvel outfits. Put them in Marvel superhero <laughs> yeah, outfits or whatever. It yeah. doesn't matter, but, you know, maybe just just minimise them a little bit and, uh, you know, get them to hand out some things to some kids and some AFL merchandise to kids every now and again as well uh, so that they're, they're just 
people that are, are a part of the fans and they're clapping and having fun with the fans. But in the meantime, they're qualified enough to be able to stop people that are swearing and abusing and they're able to, to stop fights before they occur and or break them up when they do. So I think it's all about the, the look and, uh, you know, that's sort of my take on it. So I think that, you know, we cannot have a real crack at uh, the AFL for trying to minimise things none of us want to see. So that's okay. But the way they're going about it is pretty piss weak, but it's pretty standard for the AFL at the moment. I mean, they seem to be uh, uh, treat fans with a hell of a lot of disrespect in recent years, and they don't believe they uh, are in a position to have to provide them with uh, honesty and transparency, and that's yeah. what they should be doing. It's an interesting point you make just there at the end in that I, I think it's a really worrying trait that I, I heard, I think it was um, JB one time on the radio say that the AFL is never, this was when he was sort of speaking, I think towards the end of his um, uh, time at North Melbourne, is that the AFL is never wrong. They, from a, at, at club level, at senior management and club level, and just from looking at this, that it's a really worrying factor for me that the AFL, even when there's been some absolute howling looking, howling looking decisions um, from the umpires and that sort of stuff, the AFL will just blindly call black white and just move on and say nothing to see here. Do you find that that even when you when you were um, coaching and when you were um, sort of interacting more with the AFL as a business, did you find that that has increased over your time that they're they're becoming far more militant and standoffish? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, um, they've they've uh, lo- lost their ability to, uh, you know, um, like uh, humanise the whole thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not that difficult. I mean, they put themselves on these pedestals of... of um, of something that it doesn't need to be. I mean, all, all we're after is a bit of a bit of honesty, a bit of transparency. Um, but uh, over the last, uh, you know, through the Demetrio reign and now the um, the Gill reign, I mean, it's it's just become more and more that they have falling over themselves to the point of embarrassment to protect brand against something that's so obvious for everyone to see, and yet they will deny it. They will. Are just go into hiding. They won't say anything about it. But you know, if you if you find an opportunity for them to uh, for a feel good story, well, they're front and square, you know, straight yeah. away. And uh, it's just disingenuous. And and I I I, uh, I think the leadership is really really poor. And I just don't think it's uh, you know the you know the uh, AFL exec. I think it goes more than that to the commission and. They seem to, you know, I don't agree with having the uh, the um, CEO as a um, um, commissioner. Uh, I don't believe that he should be on the commission. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, a whole host of um, uh, problems relating to uh, brand protection and, and uh, the AFL's trying to control the message to the public. And, you know, you even go as far as some of the recent things about gambling and the problems players are having with gambling, which, you know, it's a bit like the drug problem where the, the AFL keeps saying, no problem here, no problem here. Yeah, We've got yeah, a, good, yeah. a good 
we've got a good uh, uh, process in place. Well, yeah, sure you have, but it doesn't work. You know, like um, we don't. They, they stopped giving us information. They gave us information the first year about twenty years ago for drugs. Yeah. They gave us, and then they saw how bad it was, and they canned it after the first year. And for the last nineteen years, we haven't been able to get any results or information because it was so bad the first year. And similar with the gambling, they it's a problem it's a real problem and and yet they openly promote and partner with uh, gambling agencies and we have ads sprung across everywhere across the game and the, it just i don't get that I, I can't see how the afl can then sort of uh, pull the um 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 you know mental illness uh, um card all the time about you know and ask us to be uh, um, um, respectful and all that. Respectful of all that and everything else. They say, "Well, hang on. Well, you're the leaders. You got to lead the. You got to lead the community. You got to lead the everywhere. And um, you know, we just want you to play footy, really. And we don't want you to be political. We won't, don't want any of that stuff. But for God's sake, there's some pretty basic fundamentals that you should apply. And one of them is, okay, it was great to you mentioned. My, uh, Jimmy Brayshaw before with North Melbourne and they did a great thing and they just got rid of all of their poker machines and you know that cost them dearly but they good luck to them you know they yeah. found it hard to make money as it was North Melbourne but they didn't want to make any money through gambling and and I think that's true credit to them and, and I just think the AFL should uh, have a look at a few of those other things as well it's all about leadership I think uh, you're exactly right For look for me as a, as a fan uh, it's just simple transparency. Like, uh, do they understand that most of society know what's going on in in society? Like, we're we're not shocked at the word mental illness. We're not shocked at the word gambling. We always know a, a person either whether whether it's in your family or or a friend that goes through battles. So, I I've never understood why they can't be more transparent and say, hey, this is an issue. We're going to lead on this issue, and. Most of the community will get behind it. it just, but they... Well, they can't because one of their major sponsors is a. No, that's true. Yeah. Gambling agency, so they they can't sort of. Um, that's the yeah. Eat, eat the hand that feeds them. So um, you know they're compromised, and it's a little bit like if they go to ground and don't say anything and protect brand, well, the following day the story will go away because any journalist who. Uh, badges the AFL. Well, they get they get a good stern talking to, and <laughs> run the risk of losing their accreditation. So uh, that isn't it. That, that's an interesting point you raised there, Ben. I've always wondered whether or not something like that happens. And I mean, Mickey, I know, Mickey Warner knows. Yeah. Uh, okay. Does do, without sort of saying too much. I mean, do, can you can you get warned by the AFL if you start doing too much negative stuff? Of course, of course you can. I mean, that's why they <laughs> that's why the way they put together their own. Uh, um, uh, a list or something. Media agency, which you know, yeah. like AFL's got their own media now. They get the message first, and it goes out. You know, fifteen seconds or thirty seconds or whatever else, uh, whatever other time before it goes to every other outlet, just so that the message you control the message. And you've got the some of the big hitting, um, previous big hitting, highly respected journalists that now uh, are just rendered pretty useless because they work at the AFL and what they do is give the AFL message the AFL way and you know that's why a lot of times you hear about well, why do you hear about on all these talkbacks and all radio and 
television and and stuff and <coughs> excuse me and on Twitter and other things you hear about all these things and you say why isn't any of this reported? Well, you, know, you talk to a journalist and oh yeah I know about that we can't say anything about that oh no we can't do anything about that or that's just rubbish. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Well, I guess we've looked for, as Essendon fans here. We've obviously um, you would know this. We've got a, obviously a, a, a history. I guess with AFL and, and uh, laying down the law on us, and and obviously we've had we've had players being banned from finals before, and even reports come out uh, they've been already judged and yeah. cast aside in their first first year of an investigation that hasn't even been completed. Uh, so that's uh, we kind of we kind of get <laughs> the AFL and and we see the Dean Bailey and we, we know the Matt Randells and uh, and why do you why do you think the rest of the public don't really see this side because I, I think it's an Essendon this is me speaking personally as an Essendon view that whole saga what that made us do is research a lot and just have a look at how the AFL is operating uh, and I think we have a, a, a fairly cynical bleak view but uh, is it really it's just even, it's not even a cynical view it's just a, it's just a factual view I mean yeah. It was a scapegoat. That's it. It was quite simple. It was a scapegoat. There's, there's no proof uh, of anything that uh, they uh, suffered. Uh, so right yep. here, right now, we still don't have any evidence as to what what they were Essendon were um, uh, proven and proven guilty on. Like it was, a, it was just a sham. You know. Yeah. It, did did they might... do the right thing? Probably not. Um, no. Was there something? Uh, <clears throat> was there something they they were taking that they shouldn't have been? There's only one person that knows, and for some reason, no one's ever been able to get to him. Should no. due diligence have been better? Of course, it should have. Absolutely. But they weren't the only club, uh, and a lot of clubs at that stage were doing things and experimenting, and they were completely out of their league and at the beck and call of sports science guys trying to sort of make a name for themselves. So, uh, you know, I, I just thought that whole thing was a, just a disgrace the way it was handled, the way it was launched, the way it was handled. The lies, uh, you know. How can you respect any institution that just continually lies like they do? It's just, it's just a very, very difficult. And I, I feel, you know, I'm a, I'm a connected football person. Yeah. And uh, I love the AFL. Uh, I love the game, and I love the people involved in it. But I have very, very little respect for um, the leadership within the AFL, uh, and have had for. You know, most of this millennium. To and be perfectly frank. I think that's a decent follow-up question. Is that you've you've coached St Kilda, you've um, you've had a media career, you've had a, um, a great experiences um, in the coaches box on the other side of the fence. Like you said, you've got kids that play football. You, you like you said, you're a connected AFL guy. Back when you were coaching and you you had the love for coaching and football and all that sort of stuff. How have how has your enjoyment of the game of football changed from back in the day through to now, knowing what you know as a connected um, AFL guy? Oh, it's um, look, it's probably seventy percent of what it was. I mean, okay. I used to I used to get very excited and very passionate about watching games of footy, and didn't have to be the Saints; it could be anyone. And but it's about seventy percent now. I very rarely get on the edge of my seat. I used to get on the edge of my seat the whole time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the game used to be uh, um, 
uh, more unpredictable. The game used to be more man on man. The game used to be less controlled in the coach's box. The game used to be more controlled uh, and involved by uh, the players. Uh, there was a lot more instinct, intuitiveness, skills um, um, uh, in the game, and and I, and I thought that brought a whole new raft of unexpectation and uh, yeah. I just think uh, the coaches now have a, uh, a false ability of what they can impart on the game and they just uh, um, minimise minimise it to a point of control and whatever the AFL do the coaches have a have a uh, strategy to mitigate uh, whatever um, yeah. rules the AFL apply and they just want to control it. No, they won't. Coaches will never let control of the game go, and that's an unfortunate thing because the more control coaches have, the less control the players have. Are we are we over are we over um, officiating and and changing the rules of the game as you see it with the six 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 and and the obsession with every off season to review everything and come up with just dramatic changes constantly where I think for me, you're seeing AFL umpires at some occasions just lost. This is the best game on the planet. It's a great game. Um, it does not need changes. Um, the reason that AFL want to make changes is because coaches uh, control strategy and tactics and make games an eyesore. Um, and, uh, because they want to keep it close. And if the game's close, you're always a chance to win. Yeah. That's what they want to do. It doesn't mean they will win, but they feel as though, well, at least if we keep it close, we're a chance to win. And if we keep it close and we lose, I can save face with the board or the fans, you know. And and, and, and so they go into these um, overburdened strategies and tactics and, and structures and and things which uh, just dramatically reduce the enjoyment for the players, dilutes the natural instinct and skill of the players, and we're left with a spectacle that's about 70% of what it should be. It's pretty basic, pretty fundamental, but that's it. I mean, if you could have one game, one round, where the coaches, you, you said, okay, guys, just back off. The guys are just playing footy. Just They're, they're just playing footy. Yep. Um, and you had one round like that, it'd be it'd be you'd be amazed. You would just absolutely be amazed with the the game and the standard and what had happened, and everyone would be shaking their heads and saying, "Where's it? Where's all this? Where's it? Where's it been?" But unfortunately, uh, players don't get to play, and that's why you speak to a lot of AFL players, and they they enjoy the, uh, the you know being an AFL player. They enjoy being contracted and having their financial future secured and they enjoy the money that you know that comes with it and the notoriety and they enjoy playing something they love as a as a job and and, and they enjoy going to the club with 40 mates every day and all that they enjoy all that but they don't really like it because of the meetings and the boredom and the yeah and the stru structures and structures the, <laughs> yep. yeah and all the things they've got to go through and if you ask any talented player in the afl you say do you feel as though you would like to be doing something else within a game of football that you're not allowed to do a hundred percent of them would say a hundred percent yeah absolutely well it's kind of funny i mean i kind of feel like things started to develop around the the paul ruse ross line 
coming through that kind of system. It's funny, even watching Essendon this year, we're probably the loosest system <laughs> out of anyone where where you got the Sards and McKennas and, and those guys who have a bit more freedom. John Worsfeld plays coaches kind of very loose in some ways. It seems that way anyway, yeah. <laughs> it seems that way. Uh, it, it, did, that, did that start for you with that Ross Lyon, sort of Paul Ruse, Sydney, Fremantle, St Kilda? Uh, kind of locked down, keep the game tight. Is that where you see it started? Uh, yeah, that well, that's where that's where I, I you know probably um, it, it started with uh, Sydney and, uh, and 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 Ross was there as an assistant. Yeah, that's and right. I think Ross, and I think Ross had a big role to play in in their setup and their structures with with Paul Ruse and um, you know they kicked eight goals and the opposition kicked six or seven and they're happy and that's how it was and. They won one grand final by a point or two and lost the other by a point or two. West Coast weren't didn't play like that normally. The only time they played like that was twice or three times a year when they played Sydney, and they got seduced into playing that style uh, every time. And they got one, one, and lost one. Uh, and then all of a sudden, said everyone, this is how stupid it is to think this through. So the first year Sydney win it, and the second year West Coast win it, and then everyone says. Oh, this is what you got to do. You got to lock the game down completely, strangle it to within an inch of its life, and you win a premiership. Yeah. And you know, and that's where it all. And it's taking a decade or so for everyone to work their way out of that. Um, um, there's really only, <coughs> excuse me. There's really only uh, one team that's won at one premiership, and and that's um, Sydney. Um, Bo being is. Defensive as as um, they have, and yep. you know, it's not not good footy to watch. But come finals time, things change a fair bit. But, you just um, need the W. Yeah, yeah. Now, when, from your time at the Saders, you you mentioned earlier about the players wanting to do different things out on the field, and that there's less. Um, creativity, under yeah, that. less creativity, and that they're told to do certain things. When you're at the Saders, did you have? players like that that could think out on the field and did you give them the ability to do it yeah well um, yeah well I mean for a start you couldn't coach Milne so um, <laughs> like, fair, fair you know, point he, you, you guys had him at Essendon and he played in the in the VFL grand final yeah yep. with you guys but uh, I mean Milne you can't put a structure around him because he's such an intuitive instinct player and you're giving his head as long as he respects you and he respects his team and he plays within the certain parameters uh, he'll kick uh, kick you 50 or 60 goals a year you try and control him uh, and he'll kick you 10 or 20 you're like it's just, that's just how it is yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he needs to have that um, spirit and freedom Fraser Garrick was a highly intelligent a deep thinking forward who controlled the forward line and, and, and a lot of our setups and structures uh, there and we left a lot of it to him because he's very very good at that and when he was on here there was none better uh, as a player he was incredibly dominating um, you know he had his uh, times where he was off the boil but it was a little bit uh, loose occasionally yeah but um, you know Aaron Hamill's a deep think and Nick Rewalt um, you know he was just an instinct player really he just see ball get ball um, so you know yeah, you have to let players play on their merits and play on their skills um, and their talents. Uh, I find it interesting when a, these days when, you know, a game's in the balance and all of a sudden the ball's moved 
quickly long into a forward 50 area and it ends up being a one-on-one and the game's really tight and a forward how many times does the, does the does the side that's behind win or get a shot at goal late in the game whereas they never used to yeah um, well the, the reason for that is that defenders can't defend anymore because yeah <coughs> excuse, excuse me. No, because because uh, most of the time they're minding grass and they have very few opportunities to actually mind a player one-on-one uh, in that situation. And when it actually occurs to them, they can't do it. So we're actually waiting for a side to exploit that and, 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 and actually start to play a little bit how teams used to play 20 years ago and actually exploit that. In fact, that's how they play in finals. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh we won't keep you too much longer. I just wanted to ask you one question as a previous coach. Um, there's a lot of discussion on our show about John Worsfold. And, and look, one of his mantras uh, at Essendon is that he gives full ownership to the players and he's not shy away from saying it. Basically, he says, I'm not there to motivate you. I'm not there to... I'm just there to set structures on how to... on trainings, trainings and how we're going to go tactically. But how you approach the game on Saturday or the Sunday, that's up to you. That's that's your ownership. Your your own game is your is your ownership. How do you see that? Because a lot of Essendon fans struggle with that and then a lot of them think it's quite positive. Uh, yeah, well, it's not my cup of tea. I think you're deluded as a coach. Coaching 101 is you bring your team to play. That is coaching 101. Um the basic fundamental of coaching is I will hand a team on the park and they will come to play. They will come to play. That is that is your mandate. And uh, uh, strategy, tactics, um, structures, everything else, yeah, sure, they've got to be imparted, they've got to be disciplined, they've got to be set out and everything else. But uh, Wusher was a very good self-motivated player and good self-motivated players sometimes when they coach, they don't understand that fundamental that... Um, mere mortals like the rest of us we act actually sometimes could motivate ourselves but a lot of times we actually needed our teammates and or our coaches or our leaders to actually instill a little bit of uh, spirit morale into the place to get things going and uh, as far as I'm concerned uh, uh, I think if you can if you leave it to your team to bring themselves to get going I think you're never ever going to be 100% 100% of the time interesting point um, one last quick question before we let you go I, I noticed on your Wikipedia page having a look at, uh, at at that of you and it's got Grant Potshot Thomas where does Potshot come from oh, where's that on your Wikipedia page <laughs> Grant Potshot Thomas Potshot Thomas someone's <laughs> is that just someone being mischievous I think someone's being mischievous maybe <laughs> I've got no idea what that means. Okay, no there idea. you go. No, no idea. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, um, thank you very much for your time uh, tonight, Grant. Uh, we really appreciate your your, your insight. Um, we uh, we like I said, we've been getting plenty of comments on the on the AFL piece, and it's it's good to hear someone uh, sort of give us some straight answers um, on this. So we really appreciate your time, and I know the listeners will love having you on. Uh, well, thanks for having me, and congratulations on you two guys to run a podcast uh, as footy fans for footy fans because, you know, you're the soul of the earth and it's what makes the game go around. So keep up the good work. Great. Uh, Appreciate our, your time. Our pleasure. We, we, we're passionate yeah. about the game and talking about it. Thank you very Thank much, you. Grant. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Grant.
and welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast. A great chat there with the brilliantly named Grant Thomas. <laughs> he, um, he's a deep thinker. He's a serious deep thinker. I mean, but, that, that's a bloke yeah. that calls a spade a spade. Um, I, I do like him a lot, even if I was seriously intimidated by him. <laughs> nah, look, fantastic guy. Uh, I, don't you love just... I think fans just want honesty, and he gives, he, he gives it to you. This is what I think. Uh, I can see why he would be a, a loved and respected coach, because the Saints players definitely, you felt like, played for him. Yeah, 100% And, and uh, I felt like he would want, he's the kind of guy that wants the best out of you. Uh, and that's what came clear to me, that he wants players to play how they want to play, give them some license for creativity, yeah. and he'd probably be an enjoyable coach to play under. Another great guest, well done, Scotty. That was fun to have. Now... We wanted to. Um, we just wanted to run through our new Patreon page. Remember, a while back we uh, we mentioned that we were setting up a, a Patreon community. Um, it's not even live yet, and we're li- we're very happy to say that we've got um, sixteen people um, have signed up to be part of our Patreon community. Um, we've posted uh, four special um, four special messages for our Patreon members, um, and what we wanted to do is give some of those guys a quick shout out uh, on the Lunchtime Catch Up podcast. So we've got. At the moment, we've got Mr. Blake Wall. Now, I love that name. It sounds like a superhero. Um, the Adventures of Blake Wall, or like, it sounds like John Wick. It's like John Wick or Blake <laughs> Hall 3 or something like that. Yeah. I like him. Thanks for being uh, part of it, Blake. Um, Derek Jarman. No relation. No relation. Um, can you kick really well? That's uh, the only question I have for you, Derek. <laughs> Left and right. Left and right. Please get back to me. Unless you actually are related. Uh, then we've got S. Carey. I need to know your first name. S. Carey, I can't call you S. Best on Stephen Carey, I think. Best so, on Stephen Carey? You reckon yeah, Stephen? Yeah, so the, the, the famous late 70s Stephen Carey. I like it. An player, though I think that's uh Stephen Carey, you are a on. freak with knowledge of that age. Um, then we've got Cheryl. Now, Cheryl... Rabin, Rabine, Rabine, Rabin? Rabin, Rabin. Cheryl Rabin is... Please get in touch with the Cheryl. Let us know how to say it. Give it like the phonetic... Because we want to be able to pronounce it correctly. But at the moment, we're going to go with Cheryl Rabin. I think that might work. Then we've got, mate. Then we've got the bloke with the Aussiest name in the entire world. Benno. Benno, mate. Thank you very much, um, especially you, Benno, for your awesome name. And for everybody, um, for being a part of our Patreon. Like I said, we, we only spoke about this last week that we were going to set one up. The, yeah, we, we, the, the page is obviously on the internet now. People took notice of it, and they're now joining. So we've quickly started to put some posts on. Yeah. <laughs> we did a we did a team changes post on Thursday night. A little podcast it's exclusive for the Patreon members. Yep. Yeah, uh, we've got the webcam purchased on the weekend, so we're setting that up in the next couple of weeks. And that was the that's the whole reason why we've got this Patreon, guys, is that we wanted to take as as you'll probably you could see right now if we poked up um, some uh, video is that Scotty and I are huddled around one microphone um, and a PC from 1903. So what we're hoping to do is to be able to upgrade our tech uh, in the, at the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast so that we can A, sit a more appropriate distance apart from each other and do the, the podcast and B, just make it the best podcast we can for you guys yeah. and maybe introduce our ugly mugs um, to the process uh, in the uh, Scotty's front room, otherwise known as the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast studios. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and look, we love to put extra content on. So we've already done four posts that uh, that the 16 people have seen already. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and we'll just keep doing that. We're going to do some video and, and separate podcasts on all different themes about Essendon. Uh, and, and I think they're enjoying it so far. We're getting some really good feedback. Uh, How do people join up, Scotty? It's easy. You, uh, If you go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, just search up Lunchtime Catch-Up. 
uh, on Patreon. Uh, it should come up. Uh, we'll also post out the link uh, again this week. Uh, look, there's just three tiers you can join. You can be as cheap as just $2 a month, so really yeah. cheaper than a cup of coffee. Uh, and look, you get the Thursday team changes. You get all this extra content, a lot of podcasts during the week. And you get to know us a bit more. And we wanted to develop a really fun community of people just talking Essendon, uh, safe environment, uh, but having a lot more extra content. So I think people are really enjoying it so far. We've got another level to go to with some video stuff. Yeah. I think we're going to try and see if we can do a video, <laughs> little five-minute video. Welcome to the Patreon site tonight. This we'll, could be funny. Uh, uh, this could be funny. Yes, this will be, could be funny. So look, we're not going to oversell it too much. It's just something that we thought would be fun to do. It's a good way of raising money to, to change over our equipment. So... No one, uh, I we want no one to be cheapened out. We want to give really good content, make get their money's worth, and um, and like the guys who got the shout out tonight. If you there's a certain fee, we're going to do a shout out on the podcast, and if there's a higher fee, then you can actually be a guest on the podcast. That's Absolutely pretty exciting. Go and check out the AFL level tier. I, I think that's a great one. We're looking forward to it. To be quite frank, is that at the AFL level tier, which is twelve bucks a month, which again is cheaper than the happy meal I had coming over here for dinner. Um, you can become a guest on the podcast. We will actually give you a call. Uh, well, it's probably be collect, but no, it won't be. Um, <laughs> no, we'll pay for the call and everything. Um, well, we'll you just, can be a guest on the podcast. We'll talk Essendon. We'll talk Essendon with you. It'll be great. I mean, we we um, we love having people on uh, the podcast to talk to. So um, we're, we're really hoping people will uh, sign up to that tier so we can have a chat to you a bit more. And look, so I realise we're running out of a bit of time. We said we're going to talk about the Essendon game. So, it's been an hour. So, yeah, it's a, it was a full-on podcast. Look, just to wrap up a little bit more about the, the Essendon game, obviously it was a great win. We talked about the defence. We talked a little bit at the midfield. The I think the, what is really exciting is we probably had 10 to 12 plays under the age of 24, so half the team was under the age of 24 in, in that last game. And so the growth and the, the, the levels that we can get to as a side uh, is really promising. So... A couple of things I wanted to address. Two things that I reckon are really telling uh, at the bottom yep. at the moment. When Andy McGrath gets a high amount of possessions, we look really good. Probably because he, he uses the ball so well. And I maybe one guy that didn't get it done who just looked all at sea at that game, which is such a strange thing. Waller. Yeah, he, he looked a bit all at sea, like he was running around chasing dudes. And... It's never from lack of effort. So I always give. No, I know. I, I always love Waller on that part because he's putting constant. He's always in the top three of pressure acts and everything like that. So it, it's not like he's not no value, but for this game, he just got a bit lost in the force, and I, I kind of felt like some of the uh, the other forwards were really demanding the ball, like Laverde and a few other guys really wanted to get some goals and get some traction. So. Uh, for me, look, I'm sure Waller in Perth next week uh, on Thursday, actually, he'll come out swinging. Oh, it's, and, it's the perfect ground for the man. Yeah, like, yeah. It'll be dry, nice, beautiful. I predict, I predict my three or four goals from Waller. From Waller, okay. Yeah. Nice one next week, yeah. Okay. So what do you think? Can we beat the Eagles? Can we do the upset? I'm calling yes. Okay. I'm going to call yes because um, Raz got through the game okay. Jakey, uh, we don't know how good he is, but he's playing. Yeah, yeah, we don't know how good he is, but he's probably going to play. Um, everybody that needed to get through that game played okay and, and, and got through it. Um, Dylan Clark is just impressing me a little bit more. I don't know. I'd we, we, we could get beaten by like twenty five points, right? It, it, which is which would be standard. I, I mean, we have to raise it to another level. We, if we play the same level as Hawthorne, we will lose. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we've actually got to. 
uh, get to another level. Bounce but one, two. I think we played that ground pretty well, the new ground. Like, yeah. Uh, I think we, from memory, we played all right last year. So, and and the well, we do- dimensions have... are actually very similar to Marvel. Yeah, uh, we can't so... afford to have a bad first quarter though. No, no. That's the thing. Playing four quarters of footy, you, you got to this... get the crowd out of it. Yeah, you hear the stereotypical thing. Oh, we've got to play four quarters of footy, and we haven't put that together yet. Where the dictionary definition of that at the moment? Like Zach and uh, Dylan Shiel. <laughs> Shiel. Dylan Shiel, um can go nuts in a third quarter and set up a, a 30-odd point win over me we end up winning by. Um, but that needs to come out in, in from ball one. If we can get it out from ball one, we can absolutely beat West Coast over there. So, I don't know. I've got to touch the positivities about it. Oh, well, uh, the, the thing is, you go in confident every game that the defence is actually solid. And, and and West Coast, you know, got Darling, Kennedy. They rely on that kind of tall timber. And, yep. and I actually think Ambrose and, and Hurley and, and Hooker are, are pretty capable. Oh, pretty capable, dude. They're the best yeah. in the AFL at the moment. So, so both of those that's players. the interesting one for me is is can West Coast get on top? Can their forwards get on top of our score change? It's all going to be about the mids, they're, as it always yeah. is. If the mids are dropping it on Chewing Kennedy's go, down yeah, his throat, yeah, that's yeah. it. If they're dropping them down their throat, not even... Uh, the mighty bear and the yeah. uh, the the tall Western Australian in Hooksy can uh, can do much about that. But I, I wouldn't mind having Clark on Gaff and cr- and stopping his creativity around the ground. Bombers by seven is my call. Bombers by seven to beat the West Coast. Scotty, oh, oh you want my prediction? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh look. At West Coast at home, I can't. Jeez, can everybody hear the splinters right now in Scotty's bum from sitting on the fence that hard? I'll go West Coast by twenty six. <laughs> Woeful. <laughs> Woeful. <laughs> Sorry, I cut I, your membership in half, McNeese. My brain is just wired to have. What do I actually think? Man. Uh, and I've uh, known you for forty years, but anyway, <laughs> look, the Hawthorne game we played okay, but not great. And okay, that's true. Okay, doesn't cut against the team we're going to play in Perth. Now, do are we capable of winning? Yes. Are we in the form? I think that deserves me to say we can. We should win. No. You sir are a realist. You really are. It's, painful, isn't it? Yeah, painful realism. You can slap me later. Yeah, we'll do. Well, we better wrap this thing up. This went way, way, way too long. But anyway, um, Scotty, where can they find us in the socials? The lunch catch up. Uh, on Twitter. Couldn't uh, get the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Uh, you can go us on Instagram. Instagram. You can get us at Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast See on Grant Instagram. Thompson's big head I saw today. I know. There's a huge heed. There's <laughs> huge heed on my, uh, on, uh, on, on the Instagram. Really selling the Grant's head there. <laughs> um, and then you can go Facebook, Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Yep. Uh, well, you can go to our Patreon page now. So What? What is this Patreon you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, look, it really is. It actually is quite exciting. And uh, Oh, and um, uh, SoundCloud. Yeah. You can get us on Spotify, uh, Spotify iTunes. iTunes. We're all over the place. Literally, we are all over the place. Just like white type in the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast and see what happens. That's and, exactly And press right. click. Absolutely. Uh, but look, thanks you so much for your loyalty. Thanks for the people who... Who's already joined up the Patreon? We'd love to get a bigger community and get and get some really activity hey, going. Hey Scotty, hey Scotty, it's fifty nine minutes thirty eight, thirty nine, forty. 40. 
Let's just stretch it out to be exactly one hour. Let's just... I wonder if everybody will wait and listen for 45, 46, 47. I don't think That's going to be real. It's not, this it's is not, not good, good podcast. No, it's not no, good podcast. So, think... uh, but we've only got eight seconds to go, so I am actually going <laughs> to distance this out so that it's exactly one hour. Um, it's if you the, keep talking, then you've got you one talk, second. I know. Out. And we're going to wrap it up. Okay, everybody, goodbye! No. Okay, so um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will be back on Thursday night with another... Not Thursday night. No, what night will we for be? For the patrons, we will be. For the patrons, is that... Um, uh, Wednesday night. Is it Wednesday night, yep. So cool. the team will be announced, I'd say, Wednesday night for the Thursday, because we play Thursday night game. Cool. Wednesday night, um, keep an eye out for the patrons. Um, yeah. We, I will be on the phone with the Scotty um, to do the team selection podcast, and uh, we'll be back with a normal podcast um, next week. And just for those who like a good tease, very soon we've got a little nuggety 93 Premiership player coming on. Can't but say too much. But that's all I'll say. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Catch you guys. <laughs>